Chapter 10 How to Find Rest Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29. The night is very dark, but I have a bright text, a good text for a dark night. My subject is what this world needs. You will find it in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is the offer this old world needs. What this world needs is rest. What every man and woman who has not already found it in Christ needs is rest. My heart is heavy when I see the millions of people on the earth, the toilers who are working hard for small pay, and go home night after night to their wretched homes, all worn out, without any fit place to sleep. But my heart is heavier yet when I see the many more millions who have not only had no rest for the body, but also no rest for their heart, no rest for their soul, rich as well as poor. But I am glad that there is one who can give rest to every tired heart, and that one is Jesus Christ. He stands today with extended hands and says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now those are either the words of a divine being or the words of a lunatic. If the Lord Jesus Christ offers rest and gives it, he is a divine being. If he offers rest and cannot give it, he is a lunatic. Suppose any man, even the greatest and the best that the world ever saw, should stand and hold out his hands to this sorrowing, grief-stricken, burdened world of ours and say what Jesus said, Come unto me and I will give you rest. You would know at once that the man had gone crazy, for no man could do it. But Jesus offers to do it, and he does it. Thousands, tens of thousands, and millions throughout the centuries have accepted Christ's offer, and nobody ever accepted it yet that did not find rest. The Lord Jesus spoke to a great throng that day, perhaps as big as the crowds that gather today, but a more motley crowd. It represented much more misery than this crowd represents. This crowd represents misery enough, if we knew everything, but that throng was a more miserable crowd. There were multitudes of the poor near Jesus. The penniless and the sick were there. All kinds of diseases were represented. Leprosy, blindness, and every manner of disease. The demoniac, the outcast man and woman, the destitute man and woman, and the degraded man and woman, a vast mass of misery, were all there and the Lord Jesus Christ cast his loving eye over them. His heart went out to that great multitude that represented so much misery, and he said, Come, come to me, every one of you who has a burden, every one who has a sorrow, every one who has a broken heart. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And do you know, he not only extended his hands to that great throng that represented so much misery, but he also extends his hands to all men and all women in all ages that are burdened, 
downtrodden, oppressed, wretched, broken-hearted, and despairing. He says to them all, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says the same to you. All that labor and are heavy laden. Will you please notice whom it is he has invited? All that labor and are heavy laden. The commentators have tried to tone down the words of our Lord. Some commentators tell us that he meant all who were burdened with the many requirements of the Mosaic law. Other commentators tell us he meant all who were burdened by a consciousness of sin, a sense of guilt. But he means just what he says. Come unto me, all ye that labor. Every man that has a burden, a sorrow, a heartache, a trouble, or a woe of any kind, Jesus invites you to come. Those burdened with a sense of sin and shame. First, he invites all of you who are burdened with a sense of sin and a sense of shame. I suppose there are many who have recognized the fact that your life is disgraceful. You are ashamed of yourself. You hardly lift up your head. You dare not lift it up and look your fellow man or woman in the face. You are saying to yourself, My life is simply shameful, and you are crushed by the sense of your disgrace and your sin. To every one of you Jesus says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. That day when our Lord Jesus uttered these words in Capernaum, on the outskirts of the crowd was a woman who was a sinner, a professional sinner, an outcast despised by everyone. As she stood on the outskirts of that great crowd, I have no doubt many a woman who prided herself on her own morality turned around and looked at her with scorn. But soon Jesus looked at her too, not with scorn, but with pity, compassion, tenderness, yearning, and love. As his eye fell upon her, she looked right at him and saw that he was speaking directly to her. He seemed to lose sight of everybody else and just stretched his hands out toward her as he uttered the words of the text, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That woman said, He means me. And when the crowd broke up, she followed at a distance to see where Jesus went. Jesus went to the house of Simon the Pharisee, who had invited him to dinner. As soon as she knew where he had gone, she hurried to her home, took out of her treasures a very costly box of ointment, the most expensive thing that she had, hurried back to Simon's house, and went through the open door into the open court. As Jesus reclined there in the oriental way, she went up behind him, bent over his feet, which were bare in the oriental fashion, and began to bathe them with her tears. The other guests looked up in scorn. They said, This man pretends to be a prophet. He is no prophet, or he would not allow that woman to touch him. If he were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Well, he did know. He knew better than any of them knew that she not only was a sinner, but that she was also a repenting sinner. When his feet were wet with her tears, she took the long tresses of her beautiful hair and wiped his feet with them. Then she broke the alabaster box of precious ointment over them. The Lord Jesus turned to her and said, Thy sins are forgiven. 
Then he said again, Thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. And that woman, who that day stood on the outskirts of that crowd with a broken heart, went away from that house with the rest of God in her heart. Is there any woman like her here, or any man overwhelmed in sin, anyone burdened with a sense of sin and shame? Come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He will give you rest. Those Burdened by the Bondage of Sin In the second place, the Lord Jesus invites every man and woman who is burdened by the bondage of sin. There are men here, for example, who are in bondage to the appetite for strong drink. You want to be sober. You want to lead upright lives. You have tried again and again to give up the drink, but you failed. And this appetite for strong drink is an awful, crushing burden. Some of you are burdened with the appetite for morphine or cocaine, or chloral or heroin. Oh, how you have tried to be free from your bondage. The Lord Jesus says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Some of you are burdened with vileness, with impurity, with disgusting sin. How you hate yourself, how you despise yourself, how you have tried to break away time after time until at last you have given up. You are utterly discouraged today, crushed by the power of your sin. Jesus says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Some of you struggle with some other sin, but if we could read the secret sorrow of your heart, we would find hundreds of men and women crushed to the earth by the power of sin. The Lord Jesus says to every one of you, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have a very dear friend who was carefully reared by a godly mother. He has as good blood in his veins as there is in America. His mother was afraid that he would become a drunkard, so she begged him to never touch alcoholic liquor. He lived to eighteen years of age without tasting it. He lived in the country, but one day he went to town with a man. On the way back, the man bought some whiskey and asked him to drink. No, he said, I promised my mother never to drink. Well, the man said, if you don't drink, you will insult me. And that elderly man just worked on that boy until he got him to drink his first glass of whiskey. Then the demon in him was set on fire. From that experience, he became almost immediately a drunkard. He went down, down, down in the course of years. He lost one position after another, and in the end, he was a wrecked man in New York City. He had written 138 forgeries against his last employer, and the officers of the law were in search of him. One night, one awful night, he went into a saloon and for a long time sat there in a drunken stupor on a whiskey keg. Then, coming out of the stupor, he felt all the horrors of delirium tremens coming over him. He thought he was going to die. He went up to the bar and ordered a glass of whiskey, and he rattled the glass upon the bar so that the bar shook. He said, Men, hear me, hear me. I shall never drink another glass of whiskey if I die. And they all laughed at him. He went out of the saloon, went to the lockup, and said to the sergeant of police at the desk, Lock me up. I am going to have the tremens lock me up. The sergeant sent him down to the cell and locked him up. 
He spent a night in awful agony, and the next day in awful agony. As the night was coming, somebody said to him, Why don't you go to Jerry Macaulay's mission? The lockup was a little way from the Macaulay Cremorne mission. So as best he could, in an awful condition, he went down to Jerry Macaulay's Cremorne mission and listened to one man after another who had been saved giving their testimonies. When Jerry Macaulay asked all who would receive Christ to come to the front, he went up to the front, knelt down, and said, Jerry, pray for me. Jerry said, Pray for yourself. Oh, he said, I don't know how to pray. I have forgotten how to pray. Jerry, pray for me. Jerry said, Pray for yourself. That wrecked and ruined man lifted up his broken heart to Jesus. He came to Jesus. Jesus met him immediately and took the appetite for whiskey away from him at once. Today that man is one of the most honored men in New York City. Some years ago, I was in the city of Washington, and I met the Postmaster General of the United States. He asked me if I would go to dinner with him that night after a meeting. I went to dinner at the house of the Postmaster General of the United States of America, and as I entered the drawing room, who should I see sitting there as an honored guest but Mr. Samuel Hadley? This poor drunkard of bygone years, of whom I have just spoken, was an honored guest in the house of the Postmaster General of the United States of America. Are you burdened? Have you fought against sin and failed? Have you tried again and again, perhaps signed pledge after pledge, but only broke them? Have you some other disturbing sin? Are you burdened with the weight of an overcoming sin? Jesus holds out his hand to you. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those burdened with sorrow. He invites everybody burdened with sorrow. If you only knew the sorrows of men and women today, all the light has gone out of the lives of some of you men because your wife has recently died. Some of you, sons and daughters, are brokenhearted over the recent death of a loving Christian mother. Some of you, fathers and mothers, are brokenhearted because recently a beloved child has been taken from your home and sleeps in the quiet cemetery. Some of you have met with reverses in business. Some of you have other sorrows. But it doesn't matter what your sorrow is, how peculiar, how great, or how overwhelming. To every sorrowing man and woman, Jesus holds out his hands and says, Come unto me and I will give you rest. Some time ago in our country, there was a gentleman and his wife who had a very happy home. The man was prosperous in business in Cleveland, Ohio, but there came a downturn in business, and the man lost everything he had in the world. The home broke up, and his oldest daughter had to go to work to make a living. His two boys were too young to work. His wife had to leave him and take the two boys to one of the southern states to the home of a sister where she became a housekeeper to make a living for herself and the boys. The father came to Chicago to see if he could retrieve his fortunes. After his wife had been in the South for some time, hoping that a better day might come again, she received a telegraph saying that her husband was very ill in Chicago, and she had better come at once. She took the train. It was a long journey. She reached Chicago that night. 
and went to the hospital to which her husband had been taken. But by some mistake, the authorities of the hospital said to her, You cannot see your husband tonight. Come at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, and you can see him. With a heavy heart, she went to a place where she had stopped and then went back to the hospital at nine the next morning. As she rang the bell, they met her at the door and said, Your husband died last night. She took him out and buried him. Her loneliness and sorrow were so great, and her weeping so frequent that it affected her eyesight. She went to a physician. The physician told her it was not very serious, that she could go back to Mississippi and her eyes would soon be well. She assumed that he was a regular physician, but she found out afterwards that he was a Christian science physician who was trying to cure her by making her feel she was not ill. She went back to Mississippi. Her eyes got worse and worse. She finally went to a regular physician who examined her eyes. He said, Madam, your case is hopeless. If you had come to me a few weeks ago, I could have helped you. Your problem has become so advanced now that there is absolutely no hope for you. You will be totally blind. Home broken up, husband buried, eyesight gone. She came to Chicago and dropped into our church where she heard the gospel. She heard about Jesus and came to him with all her overwhelming sorrow, and Jesus gave her rest. And if you come to the prayer meeting at our church on any Friday night, you will see a woman dressed in black with a refined, beautiful face, eyes closed and perfectly sightless, but in that face you will see a more serene and profound joy than you have often seen in a human face. Very likely, you will see her rise to her feet in the course of the meeting with a face radiant with the sunshine of heaven. She will tell how wonderfully God has blessed her. You may hear her say what she often says, that she thanks God she lost her sight, for out of her great troubles she was brought to Christ and found a joy that she never knew before. There is a place where there is a cure for every sorrow. That place is at the feet of Jesus. I have a beautiful testament at home that I think very highly of, not because of the beauty of the binding, but because my mother gave it to my grandmother, my father's mother. I think it was at the time of my grandfather's death. On the flyleaf of the testament, in my mother's own beautiful handwriting, are these words, Earth hath no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. That is true, but something better is true. Earth has no sorrow that Jesus cannot heal right now before we get to heaven. Those Burdened by Doubt and Unbelief Again, the Lord Jesus invites all who are burdened by doubt and unbelief. To some men, doubt and unbelief are not a burden. They are glad that they are skeptics. They are proud of their doubts. But to an earnest-minded man, to a man of any real moral earnestness, doubt is a burden, a heavy load. He is never proud of doubt. He never rejoices in doubt. An earnest-minded man doesn't want doubt but truth, not uncertainty but certainty, not agnosticism but knowledge of God. I don't doubt that in this great crowd some people honestly doubt, and your doubt is a burden. Well, Jesus says to you, 
Come unto me, all ye that are burdened with doubt, and I will give you rest. What? you say. A skeptic come to Christ, an unbeliever come to Christ, an agnostic come to Christ? Certainly. He is the best one you can come to. Thomas was a skeptic. The other disciples had seen our Lord after his resurrection, but Thomas was not present. When Thomas came back, the other disciples said, We have seen the Lord. He said, I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe you have seen the Lord, and I won't believe it unless I see with my own eyes and put my fingers into the prints of the nails in his hand and thrust my hand into his side. But Thomas was an honest doubter, and when he thought that the Lord Jesus might be around the next Sunday evening, he was there. He came to Jesus with his doubts. Jesus scattered every one of them, and Thomas cried, My Lord and my God. Nathaniel was a doubter, an honest doubter, a thoroughgoing skeptic. Philip came to him and said, Nathaniel, we have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said, I don't believe he is the Messiah. He came from Nazareth? Then he is not the Messiah. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Ah, that is the thing to do. Come and see. Nathaniel said, I will come. He went with Philip. He met the Lord, and he had not been with the Lord ten minutes before all his doubts were gone. Nathaniel cried, Thou art the Son of God, thou art King of Israel. John chapter 1, verses 45 through 49. If you are burdened with doubt, bring your doubts to Jesus. Whatever your burden is, Jesus invites you, every burdened one, every heavy-hearted one, to come unto him. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Will you please notice what Jesus invites you to do? Jesus says, Come unto me, not come unto the church. The church cannot give you rest. I believe in the church. I believe every converted man ought to be a member of some church, but the church never gave anybody rest. The church is full of people today who have never found rest. They have come to the church instead of coming to Jesus himself. Jesus does not say, Come to a creed. I believe in creeds. I think every man ought to have a creed. A creed is simply an intelligent, systematic statement of what a man believes. And a man ought to believe something, and ought to be able to state intelligently what he believes. If he is an intelligent, studious man, his creed will be getting longer all the time. I have a creed, a great long one. It is getting longer every day, for I am learning something new every day. But no creed ever gave anybody rest. Consider the 39 articles. They won't give you rest. Consider the Westminster Catechism. It is a good creed, but it won't give you rest. There was never a creed written or printed that would give anybody rest. Rest comes from the personal Savior. Many men are orthodox, orthodox enough for anybody with a great long creed, but they never came to the personal Jesus and never found rest. The Lord Jesus does not say, Come unto the Pope, or come unto the priest, or come unto the preacher, or come unto the evangelist, or come unto any other man. He says, Come unto me. 
No preacher can give you rest. No priest can give you rest. No pope can give you rest. No man can give you rest. Jesus says, Come unto me. I have sometimes asked people if they have come to Jesus and they say, Oh, I am a Protestant. Well, that never saved anybody. There will be many Protestants in hell. Others say, I am a Roman Catholic. That never saved anybody either. There will be many Roman Catholics in hell. When a man says, I am a Roman Catholic, I say, I am not asking you that. Have you come to Jesus? It is not a question of whether you are a Roman Catholic or a Protestant. Have you come to Jesus? If you have not, will you come now? Men are so anxious to put somebody else in the place of Jesus, to come to some man. A lady said to me one night at my own church, I am a Roman Catholic. I like to come to hear you preach, and I would like to ask you a question. Can I come and confess to you? I want to confess to somebody. No, you can't, I said. You need to come to Jesus. Come unto me, says Jesus. Nobody but Jesus can give you rest. Jesus can and he will give rest to anyone who comes to him. Scripture Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to Jesus. Take his yoke. Surrender absolutely to him. Commit all your sins to him to pardon. Commit all your doubts to him to remove. Commit all your thoughts to him to teach. Commit yourself to him to believe in him, to learn from him, to obey him, and to serve him. The moment you come to him with all your heart and cast yourself upon him, he will give you rest. You can have rest right now. Right there sitting in your chair this moment, you can have rest. Jesus is nearer to you than the man in the next seat. Say, Jesus, I come, and he will give you rest. One night in my church in Chicago, one of the officers of my church went around the upper gallery after I was through preaching. As the people were going out, this officer stepped up to a gentleman and said, Are you saved? Yes, sir, he said, I am saved. He was very positive about it. How long have you been saved? He said, About five minutes. When were you saved? About five minutes ago while that man was preaching. He did not wait until I got through my sermon. He came to Jesus right then, and Jesus saved him at that moment. Will you come? Don't look at me. Don't look at Mr. Alexander. Look to the Lord Jesus standing there, holding out his hands to you with a heart bursting with love, breaking with pity and compassion, and saying to every heavy-hearted man and woman, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you come?